love a McRib. Hello, listeners. Hi, everyone. Good morning, sluts. Good afternoon, hobags. Yeah, fuck yeah. Let's just get into it. <laughs> I feel really energetic right now. Yes, and good evening, children of God. We are here today. <laughs> to, to bring you the good word, this is I'm Horrified. <laughs> Episode 70. Ooh. Bitch. I can't believe it. I can't believe that we're a septuagenarian. Yeah, look at us go. Oh my god. We have to start really taking from our IRA in the next couple of years. I know, one foot in the grave. Thank goodness. Thank god. Um, uh, Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. It's summertime. What's new with you? I feel like we haven't caught up. Oh my god. Um, I'm good overall. I've been traveling like crazy every weekend. I know you have too. We just aren't here on the weekends. We And I haven't seen, I don't see you or Becky and I live with both of you. Sometimes I don't see you for a full week. I, yeah, we go weeks without seeing And I other. miss you. I miss you too. I'm, god, I miss you too. Hold my hand. Ah. I miss you. I'm glad we're here together in your room. I'm crying. To record this podcast right now. And I'm glad that these millions of people are here with us. Yes. Okay. But I'm, I'm excited to talk to you today about something that honestly has been worrying me, and if we saw each other more, I would have talked to you about it already. This is why we started this podcast. Yeah. Was to communicate our fears to each other on a scheduled, timely manner. Well, yeah, we were talking about how we needed a regimented yeah. segment of time for us to spill out our fear guts to each other. Yeah. And that's what this is. You guys all just get to kind of voyeur into it. Yeah, we'd be doing this on episode seven. If we had never gotten a listen. It's very true. Sam, what are you going to talk about today? Today I'm going to talk about streaming services and how there's too many. I'm really interested in this, actually, because I absolutely know nothing. Um, and I don't know why it's bad, but I can tell it's like, you know. I scared. It's just too much. Yeah. Something's happening. What are you going to talk about, Allie? I'm going to talk about the McRib. What's not to love, though? A lot. Oh, no. <laughs> the Midwest is fine with it. Um, <laughs> we'll get to it. It's pretty short. You can kind of whinge on yours. We'll just chat. We'll just chat. So, um, Sam, bring me into it. Netflix, Hulu, what are we talking about? Absolutely. So, um, this topic really gets my goat. Now we're going to chat about it. Grinds your gears? Grinds my gears. Uh, just really something else with a G. Uh, to begin my story, let me take you back to the magical year of 2007. Ugh. The Sopranos is just ending. Mad Men is just beginning. Yum. And Netflix has just launched its streaming service. Now, Netflix had existed in its mail-you-a-DVD form since 1999. Do you remember that? That they used, used, you used to... Oh, absolutely. No, my aunt had it, and that's how I watched um, the Elizabeth I with Kate Blanchett in it. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, but 2007 is the year it really takes off because Netflix had been trying to figure out a way to expand their services, and then they realized how popular YouTube was in their instant video streaming, and Netflix was like, we could do that. So Netflix launches its streaming in 2007. Uh, it's not just dumb videos of a badger and a mushroom. It's actual good movies. You can watch Unlimited with Netflix's subscription. How dare you speak about badger, 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 <laughs> mushroom that way. <laughs> I am offended. Remember that? Um, <laughs> Remember <so> our youth? <laughs> so when it launches, um, only about 1% of Netflix's DVD catalog is, like, available to watch immediately. But they on purpose try to pick, like, their best 1%. So it's, like, Zoolander. It's, like, 12 Angry Men. It's, like, really good content, in theory, depending on your taste. I like both of those. Um, and I also remember, um, do you remember when you would, like, search for something on Netflix and it would be, like, only available on DVD? And you'd have to be yes. like, oh, fuck. It's very annoying. Yeah. Back in the day. 
So this blows up. It's an absolute game changer, and Netflix takes off. They quickly make deals with many cable companies and film studios uh, to stream their content, because this is really a win for both of them. Netflix gets content to stream, and then people want to sign up and give them money. And the TV shows and the film companies, like, people aren't watching their stuff who are going to watch it through Netflix. You know what I mean? Netflix is a new audience. So they're like, I'll take some money and we'll get new eyes. Um, What TV shows are hoping is that people will, like, catch up with the backlog and then start watching it live as, like, the next season comes. Very true. It's a win for everyone. Um, So Breaking Bad, The Walking Dead, and many other series benefit from what's called the Netflix effect which is when uh, a growing number of viewers discover new shows on Netflix and then follow them to traditional TV. Yeah, that's why I'm going to Gilmore Girls. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And in 2007, Hulu also gets created as like a direct reaction to this. And so it was co-owned at the time by Comcast, Disney, and Fox as a way to do the same thing, to like get people caught up on the back catalog so then they want to watch the new season live as it comes out. And then the unexpected happens. Netflix gets ginormous really, really fast. So Netflix has existed for 20 years. It was founded in 1999, right? Wow. Only 12 of those years has been doing the streaming. The streaming started in 2007. They have acquired in those, you know, you could say 20, but really 12 years, as many subscribers as HBO has. And HBO has been operating since the 70s. So, like, it's just crazy, unprecedented growth. It's clear that Netflix, like, really has something here. Netflix starts to realize that they are too focused on OPC, other people's content. (laughs) Um, And that that could come back to bite them if people start taking their content away. So they start being like, oh, we should make some original content. And they end up pouring, like, over $13 billion into original content. Uh, And that's when we get, like, Orange is the New Black, and, like, what's other good original Netflix shows that really blew up? <laughs> Orange is the New Black is, like, a very big one. That's, I think, the one of the biggest ones. Oh, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. <clears throat> Black Mirror has been there since... It's Black Mirror one? Black Mirror's one, yeah. Yeah, Black Mirror, uh, Jessica Jones. That was a great one. The Crown. Love great the Crown. one. Bojack Horseman is great. Um, Glow. Uh, was House of Cards always Netflix? Yes. I think you took it over. No, I think it was always Netflix. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it's these ginormous prestige television shows are now available only on Netflix. In addition to your favorite episodes of The Office and a weird movie that you weren't going to see, but then it was on Netflix and you were like, oh, maybe I will. And all the docs, man. And every doc you could even imagine. Of course other services start to get unhappy with Netflix's growth. Uh, Premium channels like Stars and HBO already kind of have a subscriber base, and they're like, why are we letting Netflix also have their subscribers access our content? We should just have our own streaming platform that our subscribers use. So that's the birth of, like, HBO Go and HBO Now, and Stars has a streaming service, and the same with, like, Showtime. Basically, all the premium channels, it's really easy for them to just make their own streaming services. Right. And they're like, Netflix, we're not going to give you our stuff. Then normal channels start being like, I want this too. And things like CBS All Access is born. CBS All Access is like, you can pay to just have CBS. And you can download, or you can stream all their content. Who would do that? People who love Big Brother. (laughs) Fair enough. I guess. Uh, And here we are, we're getting to the area that's like starting to freak me out. 
So more and more companies are thinking, I don't want Netflix to get a cut of my profit. I want my own streaming service. I'm going to take my stuff from Netflix and do my own thing. And I'm about to list, here are the companies that I could think of and like I was lightly Googling that now have their own streaming service with their content exclusively housed there. So this is not including like Netflix and Hulu, which like kind of aggregate from a bunch of places, right? HBO has a streaming service that's just HBO stuff. Stars, Showtime, CBS All Access. In fact, most channels now have a streaming service that you just need like a cable login to access. So like right. you can download an NBC app and as long as you have like a Comcast login. Yeah, I use my dad's login so I can watch stuff. Exactly. Um, Amazon Prime TV is now a thing. Oh, yeah. So if you want to watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maple or whatever her name is. <laughs> yeah, that's I it. like the show, but I don't remember it. <laughs> um, you need to get that. YouTube TV is now a thing. So a lot of original content. It was called, like, YouTube Red and YouTube Premium. But, like, basically you can pay for, like, better YouTube. Yeah, I watch a lot of YouTube, so it was always, like, get YouTube Red. And I was yeah. like, no. I did just because I hate commercials. That's true. Um, That's and true it also, you. it lets you um play the audio of a video even if, like, your phone is turned off. So I listen to it, like, podcasts. Oh, well, yeah. I can't do that, but the thing that I love about our new, we, do, we both have, this is a non-sequitur, but we both got Google phones, <laughs> Sam and I, so we're both now, I mean, basically sponsored by Google. Android benches. Yeah, we're Android bitches. Um, but uh, the thing that it'll let you do is it'll let you minimize a YouTube video while you're, like, scrolling in Instagram. I love that. Oh, that makes me wet. I love it. I do. I love that feature. Um, but so YouTube now has that. Facebook has a streaming service. It's called Facebook Watch. Um, they had a couple original shows, one that starred Jessica, um, who's the Jessica that's married to Justin Timberlake? Jessica Alba. That's Jessica nope, Alba? Wrong. No, That's Jessica Biel. That's Jessica Biel. I knew it. Jessica Alba's the one with all the baby stuff. Yes. So Jessica Biel had a show on, like, Facebook Watch. Demi Moore. No. God, what is everyone's name? Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine Zeta-Jones was on a Facebook Watch show. Yeah, those two are the same. <laughs> um, but so, like, it has its original content. A lot of sports now has their own streaming services. So, like, Fubo is a really popular one that does, like, American soccer, English football games. Um, There's ESPN+. Plus. A lot of those channels now exist. IFC is coming up with a streaming service. So if you want to watch any of their, like, they have all, like, the Sundance movies and stuff like that play on IFC. Apple has an upcoming streaming service. And it's going to be, like, Apple TV, but even more. (laughs) Um, AT&T and Warner Media recently combined, the companies merged, and they have an upcoming streaming service. Now you're just making them up. No, I'm not. NBC Universal has an upcoming streaming service. There's the DC Universe, which is all DC comic content. And finally, there's Disney Plus. Disney Plus. So I'm going to linger on these last few. AT&T and Warner Media merged pretty recently, I think in the last year or two. And they recently announced that they are going to be pulling the streaming rights for their content from Netflix to start their own streaming service. Now, Warner Media owns a huge amount of stuff, um, specifically like classic movies. Warner Media owns like all of them. But the real behemoth property is Friends. Ooh. Netflix paid over $100 million for the exclusive streaming rights for Friends through 2019. And now AT&T has announced like after 2019, we're taking it back. Just like NBC is taking The Office. Yeah, exactly. So because, like, 
Warner Media embold- was emboldened to do that. NBC is like, we're going to do our own streaming service and we're taking The Office starting in 2021. So these mm. are huge blows for Netflix. That's like a whole third of the reason why I watch Netflix is to watch The Office. No, literally. So Friends, um, Friends was like the second or third most watched show on Netflix. So the fact that it's leaving is huge. Um, and Wall Street Journal, the Wall Street Journal noticed that 72% of Netflix's viewers spend time watching non-original content. So as much as Netflix is trying to do this push for original content you can only get on Netflix, that's not really why its customers are there. Well, also, I watched every episode of Stranger Things once. I watch an episode of Parks and Recreation. A bajillion a times. A bajillion times. Yeah. And if NBC's taking the office... When the rights for Parks and Rec are up, there's a good chance NBC takes no. them too. If they have their own streaming service. No. This is a huge blow for Netflix, the fact that these individual companies are, like, spinning off. DC Universe is a really interesting case, and I just think it illustrates the problem with these individual channels spinning off their own content. So DC Universe officially launched in September of 2018, um, and it was boasting, like, old favorite DC content. So think, like, Batman the Animated Series, Lois and Clark... All the Christopher Reeves Superman films, like mm. The Dark Knight. Smallville? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All of this stuff. Um, most painful to me is that uh, they bought back the streaming rights for the Teen Titans cartoon series, which I loved. How dare they? And um, they brought back this dumb show that I loved even more called Young Justice, which they had canceled after two seasons, but then it went on Netflix and it was so popular on Netflix, they decided to give it a third season. But for that third season, they took it off Netflix and put it on DC Universe. Oh my god. Which made me a dweeb sad. (laughs) Um, And the other thing that DC Universe is doing is, like, new, brand new content, mostly live action shows, which are all, like, bonkers sounding. Like, they did a Swamp Thing show. Okay. Just to be like, whoa. Most notable to me, of course, is Titans, the gritty reboot of Teen Titans that involves Dick Grayson saying, fuck Batman, in the trailer. Oh my god. (laughs) So you may be thinking, hey, Sam, you're a huge fucking nerd, and I'm sure you're watching Titans. Is it worth the hype? Well, listeners, first of all, I am cool. But secondly, I have not watched Titans because you can only watch it with a DC Universe subscription. And those subscriptions are $8 a month or $75 per year. And Mama just can't spend that kind of dough for three TV shows. I know, you can't. I cannot do it. But like, think about it, right? Because of that, DC Universe is not capturing fans like me. People who are dweeb adjacent, who have really fond memories of the shows, or who are interested in maybe what's happening, but who aren't super, super loyal to the brand. I'm probably, like, a huge audience for these shows, right? Right. But people like me are not going to spend the 75 bucks. They're just not going to do it. The people who are going to spend the 75 bucks to see Swamp Thing are probably a hardcore fandom of mostly white, mostly men. And if only mostly white, mostly men are watching your content, you are going to cater to them because they are the people giving you money. And, like, do we need our superhero content to cater to that? No. No. Well, it already does. Yeah. <laughs> we need less of that. So that's DC Universe. If anyone would like to Venmo me $75, I will let you know how Titans is. Um, okay. It's time for the biggest, scariest boy. Disney has been working on building its own streaming service for the, for a while now. Who? 
It recently took over 100% ownership of Hulu. Originally, it had been like one third owners with Comcast and I think maybe NBC. But now they are the sole proprietors of Hulu and also ESPN+. Plus. But their new streaming service, Disney+, Plus, promises to stream pretty much everything their own. So what does Disney own? Well, all the old Disney movies. So like Mulan's going off Netflix, like... DCOMs are going off Netflix. But do they mean they'll have everything? Like, even the stuff that's not on Netflix right now? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, they're going to have everything. And then Disney doesn't just own Disney, right? Disney owns Pixar. So every Pixar property, that's now on Disney+. Plus. Disney owns Marvel. So you can't watch Guardians oh, of the Galaxy on Netflix oh, anymore. That goes to Disney+. Plus. Oh, they're going to take Thor Ragnarok. They're going to take Thor Ragnarok The best you. Marvel movie. True. Come at me. No one will. It's true. No one should. No one should. Um, and you know what else they fucking own? Star Wars. So no more watching Rogue One on Netflix. Aww. Or any of those Star Wars movies. I can't watch Kylo Ren take his shirt off anymore. Nope. And feel conflicted about it. Exactly. And then they also own weird one-off things. They own the Avatar movies. The Simpsons is going to stream exclusively on Disney+. Plus. Like, they just own so much content. A shit ton of popular content that they're going to rip from Netflix as soon as they're able to. Disney Plus is also planning plenty of original content, specifically about three Marvel TV shows starring the actors from the Marvel movies. So, like... Which ones? Tom Hiddleston is going to star in a Loki show. Fuck. And um, the guys who play Bucky um, and the Falcon, Sam, uh, are going to be in, like, a spinoff show that's, like, a buddy comedy. And Scarlet Witch and Vision have a show, even though, spoiler alert, Vision's dead. So, like, how's that going to work? <laughs> I don't know. But he, they have a show now. And it's real Elizabeth Olsen starring in the show. So, like, if you're a really big Marvel fan, we have a feeling that those things are all going to be mandatory watching to keep up with the Marvel Universe. So now you're shelling out seven bucks a month to keep up um, and be able to follow these movies, which is a little spooky. The thing I'm thinking right now is it's only seven dollars. <laughs> So, so this next part um, comes from this Gizmodo article by Alex Kranz, and it's called Why Disney Plus Freaks Me Out About the Future of Streaming. I agree with Alex Kranz. Let's read what he said. Whenever a company consolidates large portions of a commodity that everyone wants, the first concern that comes to mind is cost. Exactly what you just said. Only $7. Streaming could get a whole lot more expensive. Remember how cheap Netflix was when it was a dinky little add-on to a disc subscription service? Over the years, it's crept up. It is now double the price it was five years ago. Disney, with its now enormous catalog of content, a catalog far more extensive and potentially more lucrative than Netflix's, has already spread subscriptions across three different services, Hulu, ESPN, and soon Disney+. After it hooks you on Disney+, Plus for $7 a month later this year, it could very easily start increasing that price. No one at Disney has said much, as much to date. This is a tactic that has served TV providers well for some time. Lure them in with introductory prices, get them addicted to the service provided, and then raise the price. Sure, you could shut off your never-ending stream of Moana, but will you? No. <laughs> of course not. Um, as irritating and expensive as Disney's streaming monopoly will be, it's the company's dominance over culture that feels the most terrifying. This is where I strongly agree with this guy. So far this year, Disney has dominated roughly 35% of the American box office. 
Combined with Warner Brothers, Warner Media, who's now owned by AT&T, AT that number jumps to about half of U.S. box office. Very few companies are producing a large percentage of what we watch, and as they consolidate the means of distribution via the internet, it's beginning to feel like they've got too much power. And too much power ends badly. With great power comes badness. Nope. Copyrighted by Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Copyrighted by Disney Plus. We will never know. So, yeah, I find this spooky as hell. Like, the great and revolutionary thing about Netflix when it came out was that you could get so much content from such a wide variety of sources for a relatively small amount of money. It was good for me. It was good for you. It would be good for our kid sister or our weird older brother. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. These companies don't get that that was the appeal of Netflix necessarily. And now we're getting the opposite of that. We're getting a million streaming services. And if we want to be keeping up with things, we have to be paying for all of them. Like, if you think about it, even at our apartment, we have Netflix, we have Amazon Prime, and we have Hulu. We steal the Hulu. Oh, and steal we have HBO. HBO from my dad. <laughs> no, I have HBO. Oh, okay. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, but, like, we're paying for three or four streaming yeah. services already. Let alone, God knows, a lot of us are going to get Disney Plus when it comes out. I'm absolutely going to get yeah. it. Yeah. Because who wouldn't want all the Disney movies of your childhood, all of Marvel, all of Star Wars, the Star Wars um, original series they're going to come out with, they're making, like, The Mandalorian and stuff like that. Probably all the old ones, too. Yeah. And it's only going to exist on Disney Plus. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. But I just think, like... I don't know, so many people were excited about streaming because you could cut the cable cord and, like, not have to be paying for all the stuff you didn't want, but now it's just going to be that again. You're right, yeah. And just because, like, companies are selfish and they, if they see something working, they're like, how can I do this with just my content and cut out any other people who are making money on it? Yeah, somebody's going to find a way to innovate around this. Yeah. Just like Netflix did to cable. I mean, I'm But I don't that, know what that's going to look like. Yeah. I would think we're just going to start pirating a lot of shit again. Yeah, honestly, Like, no. Like the pre-Netflix days. Yeah, it's true. It's really true. Like, I haven't pirated anything probably since high school. Because everything was available to me for, like, two or three bucks. So I was like, okay. Yeah, no. I, I remember pirating a lot of television. Yeah. Mostly television. And movies sometimes. But mostly it was television. Because mm -hmm. I wanted to keep up with stuff. Yeah. And I couldn't, so. But once, you know, if, if things start coming off of Hulu because it's owned by Disney and Disney only wants Disney content on there, where are you going to watch it? Honestly. My vi most vivid memory is being in my childhood bedroom pirating Sherlock in between years of college. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when we didn't, I, when I didn't have Becky to stream her BBC stuff. Yeah. I was furious. So that's streaming services. I think there's too many. Maybe I'm an old man yelling at a cloud. I don't know. Tell me what you guys think. I don't think, I don't, I don't think so. Sam, I'm curious. Um, it's okay if the answer is no, but do you see any kind of solution to this? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the solution was like a Mondo subscription that you can somehow start to do. So like, the thing that comes to mind is like right now, if you get Hulu Premium, you get free Spotify. Okay. That's a deal they were running for a while. But, um, like, Hulu wouldn't do that with Netflix. Exactly. Like, that's the thing. So, But like, I guess my question is, like, why? You have different shows. Yeah. Why wouldn't you pair up? Because you want all the attention on your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, like, there's danger if you give them, like, a severely reduced Netflix subscription with your Disney Plus subscription. There's the fear that you go, oh, I watch Netflix way more. So I'm just going to cancel my Disney Plus subscription. Just do Netflix. Now that I've, now that I know the content. Yeah, or vice versa, I suppose. You're right. I would like there to be some kind of, like, beautiful kumbaya where it's like, what if we all just pay $12 and we get everything? But, like, that's not the way it's going to roll. Or, like, pay 40 bucks and you get everything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, if you get all that shit, it's going to be hundreds of dollars. Yeah. That's not fair. That's exactly what, you know, the youngins were getting away with, with cable. Is like, we were like, well, why are you paying hundreds of dollars for cable when you could just pay for Netflix? Yeah. And I get if, like, this brave new world we're living in wants us to have multiple streaming services, but make it manageable. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm simply just not going to watch it. I know. I hate the idea that I won't be able to watch The Office as I eat dinner, but I won't. Yeah. Because I can't. Not because I can't, but because I just fucking won't. Like, yeah, yeah, I could afford it, but I'm not going to. Mm -hmm. So there. It sucks. Disney Plus feels a little different. Because here's the thing I think is that like when I think about that, Disney Plus to me feels important to my life <laughs> because it's got all Star Wars, all the, like we, you, yeah. it's just got so much shit on there that I want. I know Netflix has so much stuff on there that I want. I I know we have a Hulu subscription. I personally don't use it. Yeah. Um. So. If it was just me, you just get those two and that's that. So hopefully the cream will rise to the top. Yeah, that's the And hope. everything else will just get too diluted and die. And hopefully DC Universe dies soon so I can watch Young Justice on Netflix. Oh, yeah, you poor it, baby. This show was so dumb, but I liked it. What's your Venmo handle? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just Samantha-Buntage. Please Venmo me $75. <laughs> Let's see what we can rope in. If you guys... No. I don't know. If if I was to come up with $75, maybe from you guys Venmoing me, um, I swear to God, I'll review every fucking show on DC Universe. <laughs> I'll review Swamp Thing. She'll make her own podcast I'll about this. I'll review Doom Patrol. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll, I'll use that subscription to the max. Thank God. And I'll talk a lot about Young Justice. <laughs> My Venmo handle is Ally Rayner. And um, if somebody gets some cash into my wallet, I will continue valiantly watching Disney movies and crying about it on the air for you people. And I know you guys would miss it if she stopped doing that. Yeah, maybe this is going to be the impetus for us to start a Patreon. (laughs) Who knows? Um, That was really interesting. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. But you know what? I'm ready to be interested in something else, specifically the McRib. Yeah, I mean, are you hungry right now, Sam? No, but I'm hungry for knowledge. Because I brought us... No. No, I didn't. I don't want that. <laughs> I didn't bring you a McRib. You'd never eat it. You I don't even mean, eat you don't even eat cheeseburgers. I yeah, I would never eat a McRib. Um, so so the McRib, right? <laughs> That's what we're all here for right now. Right, you guys? <laughs> here on the McRib podcast. Yeah. Um let's take it back, as we always do when talking about the, you know, pivotal moments of history. Yeah. Nineteen seventy nine, something very, very important happens. What happens? is that the executive chef of McDonald's, Rene Arand, from Luxembourg. Really? Yes. <laughs> Stop everything. Wait. This... McDonald's has an executive chef? Yeah, I think he was the first one. Um, but this sainted man creates the chicken McNugget. Oh, wow. Oh, I love him. Wait. Stop yeah. everything. <laughs> it took 
mere moments for the McNugget to skyrocket into success. Every franchise in America and soon the world wanted to stock up on Chicken McNuggets when they came out in 1979. Yeah. Um, so they ran into a problem, which is that McDonald's faced a pipeline problem with chicken. Like, they didn't have a system for dispersing this much chicken to their franchises, and they didn't have enough chicken to give to the franchises to make enough McNuggets. Um, I think they'd get over that Mm -hmm. as, you know, industry increased and all that kind of stuff that is unethical towards animals. But this was the problem that the corporation was faced with is they want too much chicken. What do we do about that? The McNugget is too good. (laughs) Therefore, just years later in 1981, Renee had another genius idea. This idea is the reason we are gathered here today. (laughs) The McRib. The McRib was a pork sandwich that was shaped to look like a tiny rack of ribs. Now, ribs, if you've had them, have bones in them. Yeah, they're they're ribs. And you say, how could I eat a rack of ribs on a sandwich? And I ask that to myself as I close my eyes to sleep at night. (laughs) So what the McRib was, was a... Sandwich made out of boneless pork product shaped to look like a tiny rack of ribs. Oh, interesting. And so they'd, like, make it into a little square with ridges in it, and then they'd slather it in barbecue sauce and put it on a matching bun. Now, the way that they did this was through shaping a restructured meat product. And at first you're saying, ew, I knew the McRib was gross. That sounds gross. That is not new. No, not at all. (laughs) The way they did this was through um, an invention from the 1970s and is how we got the seminal McNugget. Yes. Um, The meat is chunked, which is the worst phrase I've ever read. Yeah, it's bad. Um, And then mixed together with a binding agent to create an emulsion. And then it becomes like a protein mass that when cooked... Tastes like meat, even though it's been broken down with lots of other elements. Interesting. Basically, if you've ever seen the truly upsetting, um, like, how it's made process video of chicken nuggets, where the chicken is, like, pink Play-Doh for yeah, a while. Yeah, I have seen that. That makes you want to kill yourself. <laughs> That's what it's made of. It will haunt your dreams. Don't watch that. It's awful. No, don't. Um, but anyways, they did that with pork and shaped it into little rectangles that had little grill marks on it and they called it the McRib. And so, lo, the McRib was born. (laughs) It tested positively in the Midwest and was added to the permanent menu immediately in 1981, where it performed poorly for another four years and was eventually taken off the menu in 1985. Between 1985 and 1994, it was brought back in brief stints for marketing ploys, especially their western menu which included a western omelet mcmuffin so they'd be doing like a cowboy rodeo tie-in with something and they'd be like and the mcrib's back also (laughs) interestingly enough germany particularly took to the menu item Hmm. and it remains available there to this day interesting it came back with more of inventions when the 1994 flintstones movie was released and they did a tie-in with mcdonald's involved involving the mcrib which even included a commercial with Rosie O'Donnell. I think it's because it looked like, you know, like the prehistoric slab of meat that they cook. That's true. The McRib, right? However, in 2005, a press release came out that the McRib would be permanently removed from the menu following the McRib farewell tour. 
This prompted an upset among Rick Rib enthusiasts, <laughs> and there was even an online petition to save the McRib. Since this boosted sales, McDonald's went on to have three farewell tours. Of course they did. In 2005, 2006, and 2007. Can't have too much of a good thing. Following that, the McRib would be released sporadically and often in the fall in different places. I'm just going to quote Wikipedia for this next part here because I have no shame. <clears throat> On November 2nd, 2010, McDonald's began six weeks of nationwide McRib availability at the Legends of the McRib event in New York City. Sittery? In New York City, honoring three superfans. Joey Irwin, a.k.a. Mr. McRib. I think he, like, ate a McRib every day for a year or something. Oh. Alan Klein, founder of the McRib Locator website. We will get back to that. <laughs> and Adam Weiner. And they don't say why he was honored. <laughs> Maybe he just, like, really loved... Who just loved, really liked McRibs. He really loved McRib. The promotion ended December 5th, 2010. McDonald's credited, credited it with boosting their November 2010 sales by 4.8%. Wow. It was the first national offering of the McRib since 1994. So let's get to the matter at hand, the question searing on everyone's mind, what is happening with the McRib today? Yeah, I must know. Right now, where's my McRib? Where where could I get a McRib if I needed it? Well, you may be surprised to know that any franchise has access to the McRib ingredients and packaging whenever they want it. However, it is theorized that McDonald's keeps the release scarce in order to maintain the secrecy and rarity of the menu item. At this point, scarcity is as much part of the McRib brand as any meat product. <laughs> Interesting. Business Insider has this to say. McDonald's has always known about its customers' weird obsession for the sandwich, and its marketing completely leverages the McRib's scarcity. Take its Save the McRib campaign in 2010, where it encouraged McRib fans to go online and sign a petition to keep the sandwich around for a while longer. But a strategy like that one only works with something that's as popular as the McRib is. If you make an unknown item scarce, nobody's going to care. Mm -hmm. There are also those that say that McDonald's only releases the McRib when pork is cheap, as its releases between 2005 and 2011 occurred during dips in bulk pork pricing. That so would make somebody sense. went through and did the math on that. Good and for them. Bless them. <laughs> Today, when you Google the McRib, the first thing that will come up is McRibLocator.com. A truly Samaritan effort in which good citizens help each other find proprietors of the McRib. As of my research on Monday, July 8th, the most recent sighting of the McRib was by Mark Cooper in Saskatoon, Canada on the 4th of July, 2019 at 4.48 p.m. Wow. So we have reason to believe that <laughs> if you go to Saskatoon, Canada right now, you would be able to receive one. Wow. Huge news. Wow. I can't believe they didn't well, just give them to everyone for the 4th of July. What could be more American than the McRib? Absolutely nothing. Kind of nothing. Besides, you know, oppression. <laughs> but I mean, what is the McRib? <laughs> what, what else would you call the McRib? Um, yes. Uh, so that is literally all there is to know about the McRib. Ugh. I don't have anything else for you. McDonald's. How do you feel about it? I mean, McDonald's... Would you try it? No. <laughs> McDonald's is horrifying. Like, if you've ever seen Super Size Me, like, it fucked me up Great as, film. like, a 11-year-old <laughs> to watch that movie. Yep. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's so little real food is in McDonald's food. Like, they, um, they use chemicals to peel their potatoes. Like, they don't even really peel their potatoes. Love it. They just dump them in a vat and the skin, like, falls off. Fuck. <laughs> they're like, perfect. <laughs> Great. Let's keep it that way. That's horrifying. Um, oh, 
I am exhausted. But horrified by McDonald's. But I keep going there for my McNugs. I mean, the McNuggets are great. I will say, I they're not my favorite, like, nuggets at fast food places. I like Wendy's, I think, more. Wendy's is the king. Yeah. I mean, I guess Burger King is the, is the king, king, technically. But Wendy's is the queen, which is better. Better, in my opinion. Yeah. <sighs> now I'm hungry. Yeah. Should we leave this place and go get fries? Go get some fries? I would love that. Let's do that. Especially if they were dipped in acid. Um, no, we have some business to attend to. Um, our listener story this week comes from... Maybe the most special listener there is, which is you, Sam. I listen to my own podcast. You know, you you had such a great story that we were like, this is the listener story of the week. You have to listen to this while we edit it. Yeah, I will. So you're a listener. So welcome to this segment of You're Horrified. (laughs) Sam, tell me what happened to you. All right. Again, you told me already. Tell them. Hi, Allie and Sam. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I should have made you, like, submit it as an email. I should have. I should have emailed you. Um, So the other day, you guys, I was in a lift, uh, and I was going just home from work. I had this, like, big bag with me, so I didn't want to do my usual commute, which is, like, 20 minutes of walking. So I was like, I'm just going to call an Uber. I'll treat myself. So I get in this Uber, um, and the woman driving um, is chatting with me. Now, I wish I was better at small talk, but I'm not. So I usually just, like, I'm half on my phone and I'm half, like, nodding and saying, uh-huh, in the right place as, like, people talk to me. Yeah, we differ on this. I really like talking to my Uber and Lyft drivers. Yeah. Um, and I, I've never had, like, a bad experience in an Uber or a Lyft. It's just, like, it doesn't come naturally to me. You're just not a big small talk lady. Yeah. So so she's kind of chatting with me. We're in this bad traffic and I'm, you know, half listening to her and kind of half on my phone. And then a commercial for Annabelle comes on the radio. And Annabelle is that movie where, like, the doll is haunted and, like, haunting a family or whatever. I think it's, like, Slappy Redux, if anyone remembers the Goosebumps books. <laughs> <laughs> and so my Lyft driver, she goes, um, you know, for people um, for people in Dominican Republic, Annabelle is real. Like, she's a real doll. Like, she exists there. And I was like, oh, I've heard that she's based on, like, a, like a true story. That's interesting. And she was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know not everyone believes it, but, you know, and voodoo and stuff like that, it, it, it really, it's, it's scary. And I'm like, uh-huh. And then she looks in her rearview mirror. So she's looking directly in my eyes, like, even though we're not making eye contact. She's looking directly into my eyes and she says to me, God and the devil are real. <laughs> While staring into your face. While staring into my eyes. Um, and I go, uh-huh. Um, I, I'm now nervous. Like, I'm, I almost want to laugh just because I, like, feel nervous. And I'm also just, like, the opposite of a religious person. Like, if religion works for you, absolutely. But that's just not the way I roll. So the fact that this woman is, like, so sincerely saying God to me, and the devil are real. I just, like, I'm like, oh, uh, okay. And then she goes, um, you know, like, um, I, I watch sometimes, like, people who, who had near-death experiences, and they talk about coming back, and they all talk about the same tunnel and white light. Like, that's God. Like, that's real. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I, I've heard th- those stories are amazing. And then she goes, and the devil and, and evil is real, too. Like, um, I have a friend who, um, he killed two people, and I was like, oh. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes... And he, um, he heard the devil. He heard a voice that told him to kill them. And I was like, oh, oh. And she goes, and here's where I was like, should I get out of this Uber? She was like, you know, I visited him when he was in prison and 
you know, he told me, uh, he heard this voice and then, um, he was, he smashed their heads in with a rock and he told me that oh and I like blacked out. I did not hear the rest of the story because of the cavalier, just the most cavalier way. She was like, he smashed their heads in with a rock and I was like. And that's when she's like, and actually, you know, that he was she and that she was me and I, I killed them. That was kind of what I thought was coming. Because God and, and the, the devil. devil. Are real. Are real. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, she, the rest of our Uber ride was very nice, uh, but just that one moment where she was like, you know, he heard a voice and he smashed their heads in with a rock, and I was like... I mean, not unlike Luke P. <laughs> hearing God speak to him during a shower. That's true, he did. Uh, from our Bachelorette uh, chat the other day, Luke P. did hear God in the shower tell him to be a virgin again. I did go watch all of those videos of <laughs> her being like... I fucked in a windmill. <laughs> and you know what? I did it again. <laughs> I love her. She's great. I love this season. Um, but, be. but so that's my horrified for this week. Uh, God and the devil are real is what I learned. <laughs> if you take anything away <laughs> from this, we want it to be that. Uh, but yeah, that's me. That, that, that was my Uber ride. I gave her five stars. I mean, it was a, it was a ride I'll never forget. I mean, she gave you an experience. She really did. Yeah. I feel like sometimes I really get a lot. I, I get a lot out of talking to Uber drivers, and sometimes it goes a little weird, but I usually try to chance it because, you know, I like to have, I love having conversations with strangers, um, which is a weird thing to say because you shouldn't, uh, but I feel, I, I actually really, really love when, like, I strike up a conversation with, like, some old lady or, like, a person my age, like, at a bus stop or something like that. It's hard to do that with men because you never know how it's going to go. Yeah. But in an Uber, it's almost, or in a Lyft, in a rideshare, it's almost like, this is fine. Yeah. Of course this is fine. There's no implication because if you start talking to, like, a person on the street, sometimes they're like, what, what, what yeah. do you want? What do you, where is this going? Um, I remember once I had a conversation with somebody and um, we were just vibing so much. We were talking about, like, I don't know, social justice or yeah. something like that. And, like, you know, she got out of the car and like shook my hand we were just like you know like i hope you have a great day it was so nice talking to you and i was just like this is great so that's like and i'm thrilled yeah also there was an old old man from greece once who was driving to do a job interview um he was an old old man and we were talking about how much we hated trump and how fucked up the economy was and stuff like that and as he dropped me off i had told him i was on a job interview and he was like you know i hope you get this job you are deserving of this job. And if I might say, you are very beautiful and you have a bright future ahead of you. <laughs> and I was just, I'm fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like this. You were like, Stavros, thank you. I honestly was just like, I needed that. Yeah. I really needed that. This was the pep that. talk I needed going into this job interview. <laughs> so there you go. For every horrible rideshare story, there's two nice ones. That's probably not the statistic. It's probably like 3-1, but what are you going to do? <laughs> what can you do? What can you do? <sighs> but speaking of that, send us your terrifying rideshare stories. Send us your terrifying stories in general, your ghost stories, your weird encounters. Please. Anything that's horrified you. Um, please send us your story at um, I'm horrified podcast at gmail.com. We are waiting. With we have we have people on the lines ready to take your call with bated breath with we bated wait. breath we wait um and until next week we hope you stay horrified stay horrified <laughs>